Come on, if you love God this morning, here in Durban, there in Belito, there in Peter Maritzburg, give God a big praise clap and shout in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on. We are here to worship Him. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is everything. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, and everything else in between. In Jesus' wonderful name. So while you are still standing, come on, I want to welcome all of you here this morning, especially those that are visiting us for the first time. We want to welcome those in Belito, those in Peter Maritzburg, those that are watching via Faith TV, and also those that are watching on YouTube this morning. Great to have all of you with us this morning in Jesus' name. And you may be seated. Well, I know it's hot. And I pray that the sound is right. They can bring my monitors down just a little bit. It's shouting at me now, please. So bring my monitors down just a touch. Great to have you in church this morning. I'm all fired up. We've just come back from our annual CRC Advance. And I'm going to say this before we even get into the Word this morning. We are part of a most incredible move of God. We are part of the, one of the most incredible moves of God. I never take it for granted what God is doing in and around CRC. And we had this advance based in Pretoria. Obviously, Pastor had led the advance and he used his staff and his pastors that have been with him for 20-something years to impart into all our staff and into all our pastors. And let me tell you, I've been to many, many conferences around the world, both secular and uh, uh, spiritual. And I want to tell you that, that nothing compares to what we experienced last week. Absolutely, they can't even compete. Excellence, everything from the minute you walk onto the premises. And that's how church should be. That's how church should be. We should be the best in the business. And so this morning, I want to honor again Pastor Ut for his passion, his vision, that we are part of it and we are doing great things here in Durban in the name of Jesus. And we have fresh impartation. And all we've got to do is apply the truths to our lives. And we're going to see God do great things in and around us. So I'm excited. Are you excited? You sound it. Yeah. Okay. If I don't move as quick as I normally move, it's because I, I did what some of you have done before. I slipped this week and I landed hard and I bruised myself and uh, whatever. But I'm a little bit slower this morning, but normally I'm a lot more uh, uh, energetic. I am energetic inside, but my body just doesn't want to run with me that much this morning. I want to start off this morning by saying that as Christians... Not as people, as Christians, we must never allow what is happening around us to distract us from what God's promised in His Word, from His presence, and from His purpose. And really, we've got to trust God that in a year of supernatural acceleration, people will be amazed by the goodness of God in our lives. But it's only going to come as we set our hearts upon Him. We've been speaking about supernatural acceleration that in chaos, God is present. In chaos, God brings opportunity. In chaos, we learn how to trust God, but we've also got to be awake to God. And Titus speaks about it in Titus 1 verse 5, just like foundation. He says, for this reason I left you in Crete that you should set in order the things that are lacking. So we need to set things in order that are out of order in our lives. In our house, whatever your house might be, we have to be intentional to set things in order. I mean, we don't realize that things fall out of sync, not in major ways. It happens little by little by little. You don't eat one piece of cheesecake and have picked up 10 kilograms. It's 
the cheesecake and the cheesecake and the cheesecake and you think you're only eating a little bit of cheesecake but then you look up again and you don't fit into your clothes. Things don't deteriorate just in one go. It's, it's, it's always a process, a journey. So we really have to set our relationship with God in order. We have to be intentional. With what is happening in our country right now, we have to be intentional as Christians. And I'll keep saying this, and I'm going to say it a million times this year, that the church is the only institution that Jesus promised to build, Matthew 16. And we need to adjust our priorities accordingly. Psalm 92 speaks about it. It says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish in the courts of our God. God wants you to flourish, but there's a condition. You have to be planted. You have to be committed. You have to be part of a local church. Two scriptures I want to get into this morning. Our foundational scripture, and then the one I want to talk about. Genesis 1.26, and then if you've got enough fingers, go to Acts chapter 3. Genesis 1.26 and Acts chapter 3. There's actually a third one, but that's right at the end. Or maybe I should bring it in the beginning because that's actually my title. So let's bring it in to the beginning. The third one is Luke 19.13. I'll start there. So he called 10 of his servants, delivered them 10 miners, and said to them, do business till I come. In the King James Version, it says, occupy until I come. And my title this morning is, it's time for us to occupy. It's time for us to take our rightful place as the church of Jesus Christ, as Christians in society. And the truth is that this week, Christianity will not prevail. We have to be people that are fully persuaded that God is who He says He is, fully persuaded that what God has promised He can do and live it out every single day. So in Genesis chapter 26, we know the scripture well because we've been focusing on it. It says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. I'm watching a lot of confused people in this world. It's time to go back to the Bible. We love everybody, but we go back to the Bible. We can't just swallow all the garbage that has been fed us every single day and, and causing confusion amongst our children. We have to go back to the Bible. If your child comes to you and says, I don't know what I am, you tell them, listen, you're made in the image of God. You're made in His likeness. You're made male and female. You are made male and female. How do I know if I'm a male? I'll tell you. How do I know if I'm a female? I'll tell you. We've got to get back to the place that we believe the Bible. They're right in the book of beginnings. People are confused. How can you say that? Because God said it. But what about this? Stop trying to reason. You know, sometimes as Christians, we're scared we're going to stand on people's toes. You are going to stand on people's toes. Jesus was known as the rock of offense. We love people, but we're not going to compromise the truth. We are made in His image. We are made in His likeness. He made them male and female. He created them. And verse 28 says, Then God blessed them. 
I spoke about this last week. God blessed them. God empowered them to prosper and to succeed. In other words, if you are in Christ, Galatians chapter 3, you are Abram's seed and, and heirs according to the same promise. So when you get born again, you go back to this promise. God's promise to His people. You're not a victim of your circumstances. You're not a victim of your culture. You're not a victim of what people have done to you. You are a child of God. You are a son or a daughter of the Most High God. And it's time for you to tuck in your tummy, push out your chest, and walk around as royalty. Not look down upon people, but understand who you are. Then God blessed them. And the blessing flows from us walking in dominion. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God made man in His image, His likeness. He gave him dominion, the right, the power to govern and control. And He instructs them, He blesses them and instructs them to be fruitful and to multiply. That's how God created us. Now listen to this. Because we're living in a world with greater material wealth, but a greater poverty of soul. We're living in a world that has become accepted to have pleasure without conscience, knowledge without character, politics without principle, science without morals, business without ethics, Christianity without service and sacrifice. And it's happened because we've moved away from God. God hasn't moved away from us. The Bible says God will never leave us nor forsake us. But we've abdicated our God-given identity. We've abdicated dominion. We've abdicated the God-given responsibility. And it's good that we recognize it. But the question is, what are we going to do with it? We can't point fingers at government because we're the church. We should be leading and influencing government. We can't point fingers at somebody else when we as the church of Jesus Christ should be leading. We should be so committed to the cause of Christ. We should be so committed to the house of God. We should be so committed to the purpose of God, which is souls. And I really believe that there's a remnant that God wants to work with. And I believe that you and I form part of that remnant. And what we do in this season matters. Not just for us. But the Bible says, I place before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. That both you and your descendants might live. What we do in this season matters because we are building for generations to come. And as people say, it's the end times, or maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. I'm not that deep spiritually. All I know is God said, occupy and conquer till I come. All I know is God says, do business till I come. We have to focus as if Jesus is coming tomorrow, but we've got to live as if He's never going to come back. We've got to get busy with kingdom business. We've got to set our own house in order. We've got to set our church in order. We've got to set our lives in order. We've got to set our kids in order. We've got to set our businesses in order. We have to take dominion. In Acts chapter 3, before I get there, sorry, in a season of great need and confusion, God needs people of great faith, great vision, great purpose, great commitment, great service, 
In Acts chapter 3, verse 1, I'm reading from the Passion Translation. I'm going to tie it all up. One afternoon, Peter and John went to the temple for the three o'clock prayer. So Jesus' disciples even went to church regularly. And as they came to the entrance gate, called the beautiful gate, when he noticed Peter and John going into the temple, there's a verse missing here. When he noticed Peter and John going to the temple, he begged them for money, the lame man. And Peter and John, looking straight into his eyes of the crippled man, said, look at us. Expecting a gift, he readily gave them his attention. Then Peter said, I don't have money, but I'll give you this. By the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And Peter held out his right hand to the crippled man. As he pulled the man to his feet, suddenly power surged into his crippled feet and ankles. And the man jumped up, stood there for a moment, stunned, and then began to walk around. And he went into the temple courts with Peter and John. He leapt for joy and shouted praises to God. And when all the people saw him jumping up and down and heard him glorifying God, they realized it was the crippled beggar they had passed by in front of the beautiful gate. Astonishment swept over the crowd, for they were amazed over what had happened to him. Today my prayer is that as we set our lives in order, our relationship with God in order, that people who know us will be astonished by what God is doing in our lives. This morning's message is not a message that I'm giving you that you expect. I'm giving you what I believe you need in the name of Jesus. Because for too long we have allowed things to have dominion over us. Fear, setbacks, circumstances. And here in Acts chapter 3 is a man, you've got to get this, you've got to read the Bible more than just read the surface, is a man lame from birth. He didn't become lame because of a car accident. He didn't become lame because he fell off a motorbike. He didn't become lame because he slept, slipped on some steps while in Pretoria. He was lame from birth. In other words, he didn't know how to walk. You see, when you can walk and you become lame, you have to develop a way to survive in spite of what's not working. But when lameness is all you know, lameness is normal. When oppression is all you know, oppression is normal. When poverty is all you know, poverty is normal. When sickness is all you know, then sickness is normal. What do you do when your sense of normal is gone? When all you've ever known is removed? When something is all that all you've ever known it becomes your normal and, and, and then you develop a sort of survival instinct. It, it becomes your normal. 
I've had eight knee operations. Eight. Last one was last year. There's certain things I cannot do because of a damaged knee. So when somebody can do a certain thing, it's normal to them. For me, it's not normal. I've had to learn to adapt. I've had to learn to develop. I've had to learn to, to, to work a way around certain limitations. This lame man never had what other men had. So he developed a coping mechanism to subsidize what he didn't have. Can I, can I be honest with you? There's some of us sitting here this morning, whether you're in Durban, Belito, Peter Maritzburg, watching on Faith TV, I don't know. But you're fearful because you're unsure of the future. And you started thinking survival instead of what God calls thriving or revival. You see, when in fear, what really happens is we go back to our default setting and that is what we believe. And you either default to faith or fear. This man was lame from birth and he developed a way to do the best with what he had. It wasn't God's best. It was the best that he could do for himself in that situation. How many of us have settled to live with that limp, to live with that insecurity, to live with that battle and it's now become our normal, but it's not God's best for us. When you've never had something, love, peace, safety, you end up developing a coping mechanism to survive in spite of what you never had on you. It's so true in our nation that some people have embraced poverty, crime, survival mentality instead of becoming part of the solution. And the church is called to be part of the solution. Christians are called to be part of the solution. Christians need to know what God has promised. Christians need to know what the Word says. And Christians need to stand on the Word of God because the Bible says God watches over His Word to perform it in your life. He's never walked. He's never been normal, so had nothing to compare it to. And he's lost hope because he couldn't visualize that what he had never experienced. Some people have lost hope of getting out of poverty because they can't visualize what God has promised. Some people have lost hope of getting over depression because they can't visualize what it is to have a sound mind. Yet the Bible says God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. This man became comfortable with his own dysfunction like many of us. I mean, it may not be the same context, but it's the same principle. And we end up giving up on the promise of God's Word. I think about this a lot. Will COVID, the pandemic, will the riots that we had in Durban, the floods, the fear of of, of the future or some circumstance or some uncertainty define your future? Will you become comfortable with your own dysfunction or will you allow that discomfort, that dysfunction to be a catalyst to propel you into the future that God has for you? The first thing I want to say to you, I hate moving slowly. 
But the first thing I want to say to you is lift up your eyes. Now look at me quickly. Look, everybody look at me. Look away from your Bibles. Look away from whatever you're doing. Look at me. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Smile. Let me see your teeth or something. Smile. Fake it. Or faith it till you make it. Not fake it till you make it. Faith it. Lift up your eyes. Here's this man sitting at the gate, beautiful, almost like a, is the right word, a paradox? I know, I'm not English. I'm not trying to say nice, deep English words. I'll give my, but total opposites. His body is lame. He's learned to cope with his dysfunction. That's all he's known. He doesn't know what it is like to walk, so how he lives now is normal to him. And for many of us, that's, that, that's the biggest challenge we face. Is we were brought up a certain way, and yes, sometimes our parents did the best with what they had, but, but it's not God's best. And so when we hear a preacher preach, or we read the Bible, and it's almost contradictory to what we were brought up with, what we were taught at school, and now there's this conflict, and, and, and many times the stronghold is, is what we were taught when we were younger. This man has got no expectation except that hopefully somebody, some nice church folk will, will instead of giving their offering into the church, give their offering to him. A few cents. A couple of coins. Because that's what many people give in churches. Just a few cents and a couple of coins. Not in this church. Okay. <laughs> By the way. And he's begging for arms and he's not even looking at, at Peter. And Peter looks at him. I love it. Peter and John look straight into his eyes of the crippled man and say, look at us. Expecting a gift, he readily gives them his attention. Then Peter said, I don't have money. That's a disappointment. Hey, listen, I'm struggling. I've got nothing else. I'm, I'm begging for, for the future. And, and now you tell me to look at, look at you and you get my hope up. And then in two seconds later, you flatten me again. It's like somebody saying, I want to help you. And you go, oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm praying for you. I want more than prayer, brother. Look at us. What was Peter doing? Get your eyes off your lameness. Get your eyes off your dysfunction. Get your eyes off your circumstances. Get your eyes off your limitations. Get your eyes. Listen to me. Some of us have been looking at our problems for too long. Some of us are looking at our limitations for too long. Some of us are holding on to our past too long. Some of us are holding on to unforgiveness too long. Some of us are trying to look back for the good old days. I was talking to a friend of mine that we played cricket against each other years ago, 20-something years, 30 years ago. I don't remember what it was. He was a well-known cricketer and I wasn't. But, 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 but we got talking, bumped into him in Pretoria. We had coffee together and we got talking and we were reminiscing about some of the times we played sport together and how we traveled and, and how we played against this person. And he looks at me and goes, those were good old days. And I thought, no. I'm not focusing on the good old days because I know God's got a great future for me and God's got a great future for you but I have to set my house in order I have to set my life in order and I've got to lift my eyes 
of my circumstances. Peter says, look at us. Lift up your eyes. We were talking about different cities this last week and and different challenges in different cities. And and one of the pastors made a comment to Pastor Ut this last week and said, okay, in my city, what do I do? And how do you see it? And and Pastor Ut gave me a thing. And then he used this. He said, and Glen City? Here's his follow-up statement. So many people are moving out of Durban. They're semigrating and immigrating and litigating and whatever eating. <laughs> yes, Pastor, that's reply. Lift up your eyes. There's still three and a half million people living in Durban. Maybe a few of the elitist, those that can afford to have left. As Pastor, I would say, go cycling in Cape Town. They cycle here too, by the way. My next car is going to have big bull bars on it. No. <laughs> Lift up your eyes. There's still three and a half million people. I spoke to one of my pastors last year, and he said to me, Pastor, I have had, in my zone of 600, I've had 94 people move out of Durban. So? It's a zone of 600. Why don't you just build your zone to 6,000? Stop looking at the problem. Stop looking at who's leaving. Stop looking at who's backslidden. Stop looking at who's run away. Why don't we lift up our eyes and see that there's still three and a half million people in Durban that need Jesus Christ. Why don't we start looking at the possibilities? Why don't we start looking at hope? Why don't we start looking at the goodness of God? Why don't we start looking at the greatness of God? Why don't we start trusting God for our future? Lift up your eyes. But pastor, you don't understand. Hey, my brother, my sister, I've been through many battles and I'm going through many battles just like you. But as a Christian, we can't focus on what we don't have. We call those things that be not just as if they were. I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. I have the goodness and mercy of God following me wherever I go. Oh, God is for me, not against me. Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. That Durban shall be known for peace. No more war. No more violence in our land. In Jesus' name. Lift up your eyes. Isaiah 61 to 4 says, Arise and shine. For the, your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. When you walk into a place, is the glory on you or is depression on you? When you walk into the place, are you a naysayer or are you a life speaker? Wherever I go, I seem to get into conflict. Because I'm not going to stand for somebody else's negativity. I go into gym and I know a guy in the gym and all I hear is he's talking to another guy in the gym about investing in another country. I said to him, why? Oh no, I still invest here. I said, no, why are you so focused on outside of South Africa? No, I want to diversify. I said, why don't you build this nation? Why don't you commit to rebuilding this nation? You're a Christian. Why don't we commit to rebuilding God's house? Why don't we recommit ourselves to building into other people's lives? So immediately I get into conflict. Of course, you're not going to speak doom and gloom over my city. 
You're not going to speak doom and gloom over of the people God has given us. You're not going to speak doom and gloom over our nation. South Africa is a blessed nation. South Africa's best days are ahead of it. South Africa has a future and so do you. But you've got to be a builder. You've got to be a Christian. Light in the darkness. You've got to be a glory carrier. I mean, you started and it's ended. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth. And deep darkness, the people is talking about confusion, what we're living in. But the Lord will arise over you, and His glory will be seen upon you. Gentiles shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Why don't you quote this every single day? Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. To you, your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Lift your eyes. But you see, this, this, this lame man's way of coping every day was built around people that carried him to the gate beautiful. I will hang with you because you carry me. I don't want you because you won't carry me. These people, like this lame man, became codependents. Like many people in our nation, they are dependent on social grants. So guess what happens? They're dependent on the government. I will vote for you so that I can get my 300 rand grant. Why are we not empowering people? In other words, I choose people in my life by what's wrong with me. Not by what God's promised me. The sad truth is some people don't want to get better. Because better would destroy their system of dysfunction. I've always said this for years. But many people are comfortable living with dysfunction. That's not God's best for you. We read right in the beginning Genesis. God blessed them. He empowered you to prosper and to succeed. John 10 verse 10, the thief doesn't come except to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. As Christians, we should be standing head and shoulders above the world in every area of our lives. It doesn't mean we don't go through stuff, but we come out on top all the time because the Bible says, whatever is born of God overcomes this world. You are victorious. You are an overcomer. You are a blessed man and woman. You are who God says you are. But some people don't want to get better because it would destroy their system of dysfunction. Because growth takes responsibility. Growth takes away my excuses. Growth takes me out of my comfort zone. I went into a shop yesterday to get something printed. And I don't have a printer at home anymore. So I went into a shop to get something printed. And I came across two ladies talking about uh, their careers. And the one said this, I will never go and work there because they don't even give you a proper lunch hour. So I looked at the lady, I said, what is the lunch hour? I said, I guess you'd be one of the people who would vote for a four-day work week. Of course, people are talking about that now. I said, listen, if you want to succeed in life, successful people don't have lunch hours. Successful people don't have office hours. Because successful people go way beyond what is expected of them. 
They come to the office first and they leave the office last. They get the job done. Listen, we are so conformed to what the world has placed upon us. We're even unbiblical in having our work week of five days. Jesus, God worked for six days and on the seventh day He rested. We want to work for five days and, and, and rest for two. And now they want to work for four days and rest for three. The world's confused. She says, oh, I'll never work for a place that doesn't give me a lunch hour. <laughs> so I laughed. I said, I guess you'll be working behind a toll for the rest of your life. Nice lady. But she's embraced a dysfunctional mindset. Because that's who I am. That's what I demand. Listen, family, I want to say this again. It takes courage to grow. It takes courage to get well. It takes courage to go where you've never gone before. I mean, this man lay at the gate beautiful every single day. And along comes Peter and John. And the man is stuck outside the church, God's dwelling place. But it's weird that nobody ever took him inside. People never pointed him to the Savior. People never pointed him to the healer, to the redeemer. He is stuck at the gate begging, surviving. And they stopped because he asked for alms. He asked for a gift. And they say silver and gold that we don't have. But in the name of Jesus Christ. Wait. I didn't ask for Jesus Christ. The man didn't ask for healing. He didn't ask to walk again because he had never been exposed to it. And sometimes, and I hope this challenges you, but sometimes people don't want better because they've never been exposed to better. I mean, in the man's mind, walking was for those other people. Healing is for those other people. Prosperity is for those other people. Blessing is for those other people. It's all right for you to be able to walk, but I can't see my walking because I never could. Don't take me from my normal because that puts me in a scary place. Don't take me from my normal because then I have to experience something I never have. How many are holding back on God's goodness and God's mercy and God's love and God's favor and God's power because it's scary. The lame man wasn't asking for healing. He just wanted them to empower him to survive. He was saying, don't fix my condition, feed my condition. Feed my excuses. Feed my dysfunction. Family, I'm going to say it again. It takes courage to grow. It takes courage to get well. It takes courage to go to the next level that God has for you. It takes courage to evolve. It takes courage to believe God wants you to live a John 10, verse 10, abundant life. It takes courage to go where you've never gone before. And God wants to take you where you've never gone before. So that you can do more for Him than you've ever done before. And the last three years, for most people, has been difficult. And it's been traumatic. But it's not God's will for us. And we have to throw down our crutches of dysfunction. 
We have to throw down our crutches of excuses. We have to throw down every limiting factor in our lives and learn to trust God. Peter and John recognized they had to break this man's addiction. I'm not going to give you what you're expecting. We're not going to be another person who passes you by and throws change into your cup of dysfunction. We're not going to let you make another excuse to lie at that gate beautiful. Instead, they say, in the name of Jesus, let God evolve you into all that He meant for you. That all that He meant for your family and for your world. Peter's saying, I'm not going to help you stay there and be helpless. We're not going to carry you for another day. Silver and gold I do not have. But what I have, I give you. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You know, when we talk about being blessed, it means we're empowered. Imagine if every single person under the sound of my voice here in Durban, Belito, Peter Maritzburg, Faith TV, YouTube, believed the word and lived the word. Not the slick. Three steps to a miracle. But a living relationship with a living God. It's time to get up. For all of us. Luke 19 again. So he called 10 of his servants. And he delivered to them 10 miners. That's not Indian minor birds. He's talking about stewardship. What has God given you? What skill do you have that you can put into the master's hands? I mean, I greeted somebody this morning, and they've got a credible voice, great singer, great musician. And I said, when are you joining the worship team? And I said, okay, I'm going to pray that God takes that gift away from you. Then somebody behind him looked at me as if I was like, how can you say that? Well, God gave you the gift. Sell out. Or sell out. Amen. Or Aina. How many gifts are sitting in this building and all they're doing is sitting? How many businesses that haven't been open should have been open, but people are fearful of stepping out because of circumstances, because of a setback? Listen, there's opportunity and God has blessed you. He says, do business till I come. Occupy and conquer till I come. We're not going to focus on the past. We're going to walk in our dominion. We're going to walk in the image and likeness of God. We're going to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. We're going to walk saying, greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. We're going to save God before us. Who can be against us? We're the head, not the tail, above only, not beneath. Bless coming in, bless going out, the lender, not the borrower. What do you believe? What do you believe? Oh, pastor, you sound like a motivational speaker. No, I'm a Christian who's on fire for God and is challenging you to rise up, to get up, to stand up and be the person God called you to be. The word occupy. The word occupy, I'm nearly done. The word occupy means to take your place in active business. 
to take territory, to possess. Hey, listen, God never said give up. God never said sit down. God never said stop trying and just wait till I return. <laughs> I mean, I talk to people all the time and they pastors, uh, they're telling you all this story. Jesus is coming here. Jesus is coming there. And you talk to Christians who don't even know uh, Jesus properly. And they tell you also, God's coming back. It's the end days. Hunker down, bunker down, save. And for what? They're so busy trying to figure out when Jesus will come. That they forget to occupy. They forget to take ground for God. They forget to win the lost. To build God's kingdom. To occupy, you've got to lift your eyes of your circumstances. To occupy and conquer, you've got to trust God. You've got to live a life of purpose. Listen, I want you to stand with me this morning. I don't like multiple services because I haven't even started my sermon yet. The lights are flashing. North, 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 north. My church, my own church telling me, your time is up, Pastor. I don't know what fear you're facing. I don't know what worry has got control of you. I just know what God has promised. And Nehemiah 4.14, he says, And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. Do you remember the Lord, great and awesome? Then it says, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. We are here to occupy. Occupy that university. Occupy that school. Occupy that campus. Occupy that business. We are here to occupy. But pastor, I've got nothing. Listen, you've got everything when you've got God. Because one believer in God make a majority. God will give you all the wisdom you need. God will give you all the favor you need. God will give you all the grace that you need. But you need to press into Him. We're on a journey together. And some of us have been through hell and back. But you're still alive, aren't you? It's no neutral Christianity. You're either a Christian or not. You're either for God or you're against God. You either believe the Bible or you don't. We have to build for that noise for generations to come. I know you can be tired. And I know you can be weary. We've all been in those places. But make a decision this morning. I'm not going to waver between two opinions. If the Lord is God, I'm going to follow Him. If Baal is God, I'm going to follow Him. But today I'm going to set my house in order. Today I'm going to set my life in order. Today I'm going to make a decision to serve God and I'm going to be committed to God and I'm going to commit more to God than I'm going to commit to my work. I'm going to commit more to God than I'm going to commit to anything else in my life. A pastor spoke to me beginning this year. He said, Pastor, he said, what are you preaching on? I told him. I said, what are you preaching on? He said, I'm preaching on a cliche. I said, a cliche. 
He said, I'm preaching on Matthew 6.33. I said, why is that a cliche? No, because everybody talks about seeking first the kingdom of God. Well, it's not a cliche. It's a fact. You seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Because if you seek the things, you'll get distracted and get into trouble. But when you seek Him and He's your priority, He'll give you all those things and it doesn't matter. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. Here in Durban, there in Belito, there in Peter Marisburg, watching on Faith TV, watching on YouTube this morning. We can all look good on the outside. But one thing I've learned in my walk with God, He knows your heart. You can tell people you're right with God and God knows if you are right with Him or not. God knows your commitment level to Him. I sometimes astounded by watching how God uses certain personality types in amazing ways. And then I realize it's their walk with God, their tenderness with God. While every head is bowed, every eye is closed here this morning. You've never surrendered your heart to Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life, that nobody comes to the Father except through me. He said, you must be born again. You're in this place. You've never given your heart to Jesus. I want to pray with you. Or maybe you're standing here today and you realize He hasn't got your heart. Maybe He's got your religion, but He hasn't got your heart. Maybe He's got an hour of your Sunday morning, but He hasn't got your life. Maybe He did have your life. You did give your life to Him, but for whatever reason, you've taken it back. You've lost your love for Him and you've wandered away. I want to pray for you. Or maybe you're standing here today and you're saying, listen, if I die right now, I don't have that assurance of salvation. You need to get right with God, my brother, my sister. So while every head is bowed, every eyes closed, believers are praying. Believers are praying. This is a fight for the souls of humanity. There's a battle going on between people's heads and their heart right now. Your heart says surrender. Your head says it doesn't make sense. Listen, my brother, my sister, it's time for you to surrender. It's time for you to give yourself back to God. So while every head is bowed, every eyes closed, that's you this morning. You've never given your heart to Him or you have, but you've wandered away or you need that assurance of salvation. Give me the privilege to pray with you. Slip up your hand high and say, yes, you're talking to me this morning. Pray for me this morning. We love all of you here in Durban, there in Belito, Peter Maritzburg, wherever you are. Just put your hand upon your heart. Simple prayer. Just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. I give myself back to you. Come and take your rightful place in my life as my Lord, as my Savior, and I choose to follow you all the days of my life. Guide me, guard me, keep me, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.